0: record last week too you know
1: <laughs> right that would have been fun absolutely well folks welcome to the rsp cast i'm matt waldman and joining me this week is nick whalen nick and i used to work together at the rsp back in the early days and nick mm-hmm. does some fantastic work with his Devi report he also does fantastic work at a variety of dynasty sites over the years where are you at right now like that you can people can find you
0: yeah, uh, Dynasty Nerds is where I do. Um, we we have a show uh, that we do like college prospects, and then um, and then I have I started a YouTube channel, which I mean I don't know. We'll see how it goes. It's it's video editing and and all that kind of stuff, but it's football, which yeah. I like. That's so. cool. Yeah, and and Nick had
1: this really good video out um, on his site that was called Real Talk R E E L, you know mm-hmm. T A L K, and we got together because we on twitter i was going over some jonathan taylor tape from from the chicago game and and there were people on this in the chicago or in the indianapolis community who were on twitter who were basically comparing jonathan taylor to trent richardson so and they are basically freaking out that like that you know they were having this neuroses that that Jonathan Taylor was going to be Trent Richardson and that it was, this was an awful pick and that he was, you know, and there were some videos out that people were citing as evidence that he was like John, that he was Trent Richardson. So somebody shared with me Nick's video and I hadn't watched it yet, but I was like, well, let me watch it. Cause I know Nick and I know that like, If he had some serious concerns, I've got to see what this is about. But like, I'm just going through the Chicago tape through that and going, I don't see anything wrong with him here. I don't see anything wrong with him here. I mean, yeah, he could probably do this a little bit better. And, but, you know, so we got to, I I kind of hit him up privately. and was just like, I want to, I looked at your tape and there were a couple things that I thought were kind of debatable, but I want to go over with them again with you. Just kind of to see where we both stand, because I think there's things I could learn from, what you were looking at. And then of course, you know, when I, we looked at it again, it was like, I was like, well, why didn't he do that? Or why didn't he do this? And <laughs> what was kind of funny was it was just kind of a lesson of, and we'll talk about that more in a minute, but it was like for overall, it was just kind of a lesson for me, it was kind of funny because when the first time I watched it, I was in a hurry. Cause I'm like bleary eyed doing literally like, you know, tweeting everything I can collect for, for a football guys article that I do on Sundays. So when I ran through it the first time, I was like, "Okay, okay, I can see Nick's point. I can see Nick's point. Okay, well maybe that one I don't know. Let me go back and I'll look at that later. Okay, I'll go back." And so then when we did look at it together, what you know what we found was, you know, at least from my standpoint was, no, he's not Trent, the next Trent Richardson. He knows what he's doing for the most part in terms of certain schemes, um, certain run blocking schemes. But there's there were instances where he clearly missed creases where he clearly didn't read leverage where he clearly wasn't patient enough where he was re- too reliant on certain types of footwork and as a result of that like it, yeah I could see your points that like yeah he needs to get better he's not he's not trash as a as a prospect mm-hmm. but he certainly isn't where people would expect him to be
0: mm-hmm Yeah. Yeah. And and part of that too, is it gets you a little bit hopeful, you know, that, that the opportunities are there and they're, you know, he's just not taking the next step. And it was, and well, you would, you would ask me, Matt, and obviously, you know, we're friends. And I was like, Oh, I get to talk ball with Matt. Like, Oh man, like it didn't even matter when it was. And, and you know, that, that talk turned from, you know, a, a half hour on Jonathan Taylor to two and a half hours on everything about football and life. And it was, it was awesome. But I, I learned a lot from, you know, just, breaking that down with you because that's what i think we like the most is when you can have somebody that you know breaks things down there's parts that you miss and the thing that i took the most away from what you had talked about was well one of many (laughs) is is where their where his feet were placed and which allowed him to cut. I'm like, man, that's something I don't think about when I watch running backs. But you're so detailed everything that you do. It was really cool. So now when I'm looking at running backs, and I'm like, okay, how is his foot placed, and how will that affect his angles and his acceleration?
1: Well, it's funny because I had the same. I had the same learning experience with you because one of the things that I didn't look at was whether the running back is under balance, like his feet are under his shoulders and he's like in a balanced position before he makes a cut because, and and it's so obvious that I felt like I was laughing thinking like, how did I, how do I not think about this from that perspective, which is that, yeah, the guy's not going to be able to make the cut and get into and change the direction that he wants to be able to change to if he's not under balance before he makes the cut. So, you know, so it was funny. We both had that and what, what, you know, and I knew to, to kind of contact Nick. And this is kind of one of those things that, you know, when you're on Twitter and people are like throwing stuff and they're going, well, you know, the argument that we're saying here is, you know, look at Nick's argument with this. And I'm sitting there going, well, I don't, I, I know Nick, but I don't know Nick's process. So let me like, and I know Nick well, and we're friends and it's just like, I'm not going to sit here and go on Twitter and go, Nick's wrong. Like, cause I have no Mm -hmm. idea. Like, let's look at it and see. So when we, when I looked at it, it was funny because you, you look at the process and what I, I contacted and said, Hey man, I don't want to, you know, I didn't want to start anything stupid on Twitter. There was just tasty. And I've done that recently. Like Jay Moyer, who's a writer on our, um, on our show. Yeah. He's a great guy. And he's also a guy that's a, you know, very appreciative of running back play. He was really high on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I was so, so on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. But I didn't think he was a bad back. I just didn't think he was a top five back. But, like, I just, one one night Friday, I think I just, like, I quote tweeted him. And I wasn't thinking of that as a negative thing, but he was. Mm -hmm. And so he, like, he emailed me. He texted me. He was like, you know, we we got, we got had a debate about it, and then we kind of argued about it, but it wasn't really mean-spirited at all. And by the end of it was kind of funny because there were friends of ours who were mutual friends of ours who were like, Mom, Dad, stop fighting, <laughs> and we're kind of laughing about it. But like, we were both had the same point of view. It's like for him, it's like all he, he had been hearing was how bad Clyde Edwards Hilaire was was because Ev- Le'Veon Bell got traded um, to the chi- or got added to the Chiefs. And I was thinking, all I hear is how he's going to be a top five back and everyone's doubling down on him being a top five talent in fantasy football this year, where Mm -hmm. I'm like, maybe next year, maybe a year or two from now, but he's not there. And like, stop pushing that kid to be all that. He's, you know, here, I have issues with that. And it was the same thing with this, with Jonathan Taylor, where it was like, you were like, slow, slow the train down a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, the train isn't stuck on the tracks. Let's just keep it moving. But we were in, we were just coming from the opposite directions and had the same points of view. So, so what were some of the things just for people who were like, well, this is all nice, good and well that we're talking about Jonathan Taylor, but we're talking around him. So Mm -hmm. what, what were your thoughts, you know, in terms of this video that people can look at on your channel um, in terms of like overall about, about Jonathan Taylor?
0: Yeah, I think a lot of it, he's in his head, you know, and, and I think it's, uh, it's important to know at, at any player, you know, wh- who you are, what do you do best? What do you not do best? And then obviously you're going to, I mean, you can come a little ways and improve on what you're not good at, but do the things that you're good at. That's what Belichick is so good at. And so, you know, Taylor stopping his feet and trying to make people miss and trying to be a little fancy, I think at times has really hindered his, uh, to quote, uh, who's that dallas running back um he left some meat on the bone who's yes. that running back?
1: Yeah. oh was it that wasn't dunbar was it no, no hambrick no. troy hambrick uh no it wasn't no. Troy
0: hambrick um i was thinking to shard choice that's not right either yeah, yeah. and it doesn't matter, uh, yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, he, he just like he just left he left some uh you know some some yards out there and then yeah. also within the uh the zone scheme he's just not used to pressing outside and then looking back inside for these lanes that are potentially there his his biggest concern is i'm gonna get downhill as soon as i can and and i'm just gonna get my shoulders square and i'm gonna go and and to me it's almost like coaches like hey you have to run straight and you have to run hard and you have to get your yards instead of letting things work because that's how zone works You you have to really be patient and let that great offensive line and quentin nelson work in front of you so there's some pieces to him being comfortable at the nfl level with those different, you know, size athletes moving around in front of him in scheme, I think, that he just doesn't have a knack for yet.
1: Yeah. It was like he got he wasn't um he wasn't nuanced enough in traffic and then in space he was too cute. Like yep. he was trying to be too nuanced. So he had it like completely reversed. Mm-hmm. And and it was interesting because there were some there were some clear leverage reads where like he's reading the blockers and he just cuts right into them, you know, or like heads right into the leverage advantage to the defense where we were literally watching. I was like, what's he doing? Like, what was he, what was he thinking? You know? And it was, so we both were kind of laughing about that. And then we started, you know, talking about footwork in general and, and running back footwork and how that, and one of those things when it comes to pressing was how like, you know, people were worried about him being Trent Richardson. And the reason why he's not Trent Richardson is that you know Taylor does show some ability to press and cut it's just not mm-hmm. as nuanced as it needs to be he's not completely unfamiliar with it in the way that Trent Richardson it was just alien to him like mm-hmm. to, to be able to to be able to do that in the same way that it was kind of alien to Lawrence Maroney and CJ Spiller those were other backs who uh-huh. kind of had troubles with those types of those mm-hmm. types of looks and um so when you look at him, it was it was fascinating because we started talking about um, you know Marlon Mack and how he was ahead of where Marlon Mack was, but he didn't have the luxury of having Frank Gore, and mm-hmm. and so we then we watched like a Twitter video I'd done years ago of Frank Gore. Well, oh, that was fun. And yeah, and it was great because it's like this. You know, nobody's, nobody looks at it because we're geeking out over it. But like, it, you know, I I was laughing because I said, I think I had like two likes on that whole video. But it's still like, it's this great video against on uh, a Monday night game against the Broncos where they show a Marlon Mack play on like a third and one where he like presses the crease, but he doesn't really get tight enough. And getting tight enough really is about getting like literally like within inches of the heels of the blockers like really getting up there and cutting your stride length or if you're going to do any type of jump stop or jump cut you're doing it on a level where you're you know that you're hopping into a space where you can control that depth where you're not going to run into the back side of the of the blocker and so Mac you see him try to press but then he tries to um, you, you know, he gets, he doesn't really get close enough and when he tries to make the cut back. The defender on the outside is able to just swoop in and wrap him. And then when you look at Gore, you know, the old man gets out there and literally he like, he not only presses and then makes a, a cut, the cut's to bait the defender who's in the hole and he moves mm-hmm. the defender out of the hole and he's like, he's literally like a fly on the jersey of his of his blockers he's so tight to those guys and then makes another cut and ends up gaining like five yards on the play mm-hmm. and it's just like the the nuance that he has to do that is the exact reason why like he's 37 and still in the league yeah you know and you so significant carries yeah yeah and it's like mm-hmm. you know when people talk about having that ability it's like it's a lot like route running because it's you know when you're pressing a crease linebackers are reading you and going, okay, he's setting me up to, to go here. But mm-hmm. this now the setup can either be great enough that the linebacker has to be compelled to move because they're reading the hips or they're reading the knees yeah. of the, mm-hmm. of the blocker, or it can be semi compelling, but then the, 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 the most nuanced running backs make a second move where it's like the, the linebackers thinking, oh, that's his, that's the direction he's going to go. And then mm-hmm. they, and then that's actually the bait. You know They go one step further with the bait. But mm-hmm. I, I just started watching um, DeAndre Swift um, against Jacksonville. He had that 123-yard day. Mm-hmm. So I was watching him, and I've got something coming out on him. And I noticed the same things with him that are kind of with Jonathan Taylor. It's like he's trying to be something he's not right now. And I think part of that is he's watching Adrian Peterson in practice like uh, day after day. And mm-hmm. you see some of these plays where he's like jump stopping and jump mm-hmm. cutting and it's like he's like he's opening his hips and pointing that toe to get in the direction but he's like using jump stops and then he's not under balance to make the cut and then in other plays he's totally like feet still on the ground really great pressure cuts and like great quickness in and out of those cuts and on those plays he's getting positive yards right and the other ones when he's trying to bounce outside nothing like he's getting Mm -hmm. stopped because he's not been able to make a sharp enough cut because he wasted space
0: Mm -hmm. and and we had talked about too because you know all all the things we're talking about are these really important details of being a running back and so many times people throw out well anybody can play running back what's their 40 time what's their three cone you know and there's so many things to it where you had talked about setting up that linebacker is like being a wide receiver it's also like you're a quarterback you know and you want to hit this seam you know on the right so you're going to look to your left and you're going to make move that safety in one high you know or cover three however you want to word it and then come back to the seam because there's a hole that that, that's how you can move linebackers at the second level where you can start one way set them into a combo block and now you got a hole you know where where that's something they have to look at pre-snap okay where's the front at like they have to do that homework in their head that's what frank gore's so good Frank Gore pre-snaps so well and sets up where things are gonna happen. Where I just did a Kenyon Drake video too, Matt, on on, on Real Talk. And, and there's one where he doesn't cut back in a zone where it would have been great. He went the other way, which was also an open hole and ran right into a safety that was already walked down in the box. So if he was doing that work already, he would know where he's going. And that's just the mental part of it. That's not the footwork and the balance and everything else that we're talking about, but it's so nuanced where there's a reason why Christine Michael and Spiller and all these guys didn't pan out and other guys that aren't sexy, you know, Arian Foster and et cetera, but they know how to play the position so well, succeed a ton and for a long time, even like Frank Gore.
1: Yeah, and a lot of that is, is, you know, when you talk about people value the athletic part more than they talk they think about the actual technical and conceptual part of running it's because they uh, you know we had there was somebody who a while back i won't mention who because i don't want to i don't want to make put that person in a horrible light but you know we had a debate on twitter a few years ago where he basically you know this guy basically said you know running back is not only so easy, it may be the easiest position to transition to in the NFL. And it's just an instinctive position. And like he made it and he literally characterized it as instinctive on the same level that I would say, like, somebody would say acting is instinctive or playing music is instinctive. And it's just like, Oh, well they just have the gift because they come from this part of the country or they, they come from this culture and they all dance or they all do this. And mm-hmm. it's just like, yeah, you it's not that that person was like, you know, a hateful human being or saying it, they weren't even thinking on that level, but like, it's akin to that. It's akin to that kind of, of thought process. It's a level of ignorance
0: Or they all go to the same school, so all of them have to be bust. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it doesn't matter at all. (laughs) Helmet
1: scouting, logo scouting, exactly. Yep. You know, and it's just like, you know, when you look at when you look at running back play, it there's just so much to it in terms of like all the footwork patterns that are involved. I mean, like, you know, I remember there was a Derrick Henry video where Paul Kuharski, um, after an initial practice in like this early summer. He, he had videotaped um, Derek Henry going through some, you know, footwork drills and he was kind of tripping over himself and he was like, you know, I realize that this may be like a, a new drill for him, but still this isn't like the footwork of a first round pick, is it? And like people were all freaking out. And so I, I consulted um, my buddy, Chad Spann, who was over at Northern Illinois, who, you know, who I've talked about a lot and have had on this show and he's, he's, coached running backs in the pros and in high school and college and played, you know, in, in those in the NFL and the CFL. And he wrote an article for me. It was basically, you know, I just edited a little bit, but he, you know, it was great right right from the get-go. It was basically like, look, you know, Derrick Henry has good footwork. There's nothing wrong with his footwork. This was a completely new drill. And this is normally what happens. Here's what the drill is. Here's, you know, basically explain the drill down to the nth degree. Explain what happens with these types of drills and how that running backs are always trying to acquire new different, different types of footwork, um, you know, components because it's like, just like in music or just like in um, stage theater where you're learning like different types of movement that you can incorporate when you improvise. Or different types of licks that you would play on a solo over certain types of harmonies. You, you know, you have to practice that to the point that, like, it's not even something you think about. You know, a, a famous musician that, um, you know, used to play with a guy by the name of Miles Davis. If you guys aren't, you know, jazz aficionados, you know, Chick Corea is like a great pianist. And he was on doing a master class talking about knowing versus remembering and or memorization versus knowing and so a lot of people think you know a lot of people who are talking about he's got to learn this or he's got to respond or think about these things while it's on the field they're missing the point between memorizing and knowing like memorizing is basically the way he Chickory described it was that your mind is literally re visualizing the thing on the page that or the image that you had of Of some sort of concept that you're learning that you wanted to learn and just reading it back or reviewing it and that's that conscious act of reviewing or rereading takes time it takes a lot more time than knowing knowing Mm -hmm. is that muscle memory that you have when you breathe when you eat when you walk down some stairs you know you may not have it may have taken you a couple years to learn how to walk down some stairs and not you know and not be in danger as a little kid you know but now that you're you, you know now you're an adult unless something happened to you walking down the stairs is just like is no different than breathing mm-hmm. or eating you mm-hmm. know or driving same thing with driving like you know you ride can bike. riding a bike all those things mm-hmm. all those motor memory things that the muscle memory things that you learn. And it's the same thing with reading the line, you know, and, and understanding that, you know, you're not sitting there doing calculus going, well, the helmet of the left, you know, um, <laughs> the left defensive end is over the, over the left tackles inside shoulder. So therefore I should be doing this. You're mm-hmm. just reading flashes of information, but you, but you've studied that enough to, you've had to break it down in the film and go, okay, when the helmet comes here, I need to be able to press a couple more steps towards where that helmet is heading, and then make my cut back over to this side. And after he's done that in the classroom, there are a few people in in the world, or every year, there are a few people every year who can look at that tape and then just do that, you know, Mm -hmm. in practice. Not many, but like Mm -hmm. there's guys like Dexter Dexter McCluster out of Ole Miss who could do that. Name? Yeah, yeah, he could do that. And people were just wild by the fact that he could take a concept off the the tape or off of the classroom and apply it into onto the practice field. The problem was is that he just wasn't an elite running back. He was kind of a tweener type of football player I mean, physically, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But like if you know if Adrian Peterson could have done that, you know he'd be he'd he'd be even greater than what he what he is. But it's mm-hmm. like that usually that means that they got to go out in the field and they've got to visualize those instances. Like they may, before even practice, they may be like setting up cones and visualizing, okay, I've got to run to this cone and I'm going to set my footwork pattern to do these types of patterns to set up and imagine the helmet coming inside over that that end. And then I'm going to make that cut. So like Mm -hmm. they're literally practicing those things to the point where it's like, They don't have to think about it anymore, Mm -hmm. you know, but, but there, and there are some things that they, they do naturally. Some guys naturally may have a great jump cut. Some guys naturally may have a great ability to open their hips and they can do that. And they lean on that stuff, but the very best hone all those different things and Mm -hmm. they can recall them, but it takes, it takes not only hours and hours of practice for years before they get to that level, but it takes maintenance practice, to do that that's why sometimes guys aren't as sharp when they come back from injury or oh, they yeah. come go to a new scheme and they're not used to a certain type of play or teammates yeah or teammates
0: yeah rapport how they're gonna react i mean i was actually talking and i know you know matt caraccio he's a good friend of mine oh he, yeah uh, he, he called me on on sunday and it was one of those things where it was meant to be a five-minute conversation and it's like me and you met it turned into like an hour we're just talking and one thing i i, I love that he's always he, well we used to have a podcast together, but he talked about having this toolbox. But what we got talking about was some of the things we talked about actually the other week, Matt. Was, um, you know, when you're when you're playing, you're not just okay. Go here, do this, because the, all these parts are moving in front of you, and you have to use all of your senses. You have to see it, you have to feel it. You know, all of these things anticipate, like all of these imagine, all these things that's going on in front of you together with that reaction time you know, and that's what makes it so hard, you know, because, you know, you, you're like, okay, well, this is where I, where I should go. You know what I mean? But everything could change. One guy could crash and shoot a gap. And now what? Yeah. You know, cause, cause honestly, it's a, it's a chaos when it's out there. And that's what some people that are very mechanic struggle playing because it's a very, it's an art form. It's yeah. so creative and it's, you know, guys that can string together, this that's why i love cordell patterson so much he makes anybody miss in such a ver, wide variety of ways because he's an artist out there of what he does instead of well i just run hard over one person continually like is what that's what cam Akers is kind of doing yeah. you, you can't just do one thing continually you have to have a, a wide array and then you can't think like okay i'm going to get past here then i'm gonna do this one spin move and then i'm going to cut to the left you know and like these guys are magically going to do everything that you want it's it's kind of a You know it's an art and there's timing and there's everything has to go together uh and where you have to figure this stuff out and add these tools is in practice with what you're talking about with henry and it takes a certain kind of person because that's where you're going to hone in and be like okay i'm gonna work on my jump cut i'm gonna work on this cut i'm gonna work on crossover switch arms whatever but you also have to have a certain type of a a mindset matt and i know you're doing this right now you know we talked before of practicing even when you're not good, you have to practice something. You're like, you know what? I'm going to do it in practice and just see if this works and it might not work and be okay to fail because that's where you learn new stuff in the game. You do whatever it is to be effective and get something done, but you have to be okay with, you know what? I'm going to throw this into tight coverage and it might be a pick. That's okay in practice. It's going right. to count in a game, but man, what if I get it in there and I get this skill down and it's going to be fine. And, and I'm going to tell you a, a funny story, Matt. When I was in the fourth grade, and, and I've always been this kind of a weird football mind in the fourth grades. When I figured out I could throw the football into, into tight coverage. When the guy wasn't looking and complete to my receiver, I was in the fourth grade when I learned that I still remember that. I did that. I was like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> that happened. And it always stuck because that's something that's really effective and you see happen. But if I never took the risk to do that, you would never get the benefits from it, you know? So it, it takes, it takes a confident person, you know, okay to fail.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely true. And then it also takes understanding what setting where you can do that. Like if you're Tom Brady, you can practice to failure like because no one's taking your job, like not mm-hmm. at this point, you know. Now, if you're a free agent, if you're a UDFA in, in your first camp, well, whatever it is you need to practice, you better be practicing that after hours and before the beforehand because you're in day or the same thing with like tony gonzalez the tony gonzalez story that i love is the one that he talked about during the all-time team that they just had recently put out this past year um and they asked him about how he was like one of the league leaders in drops in his second year and like he just had an awful year and he said he said you know he was distraught over it and depressed and he literally like started reading all these like self-help books and like different coaching things and his brother was sending them stuff. And then finally, like, you know, during the off season and then from camp onward in the, heading into his third year, he literally like would practice before practice and after practice, catching balls, Different ways, making sure he knew he was looking it in, that he had his hands in the right position, that he understood the positions he was supposed to do. He ran all sorts of different routes to make sure that he could get comfortable putting his hands in those positions, you know, mm. on those routes with the right timing. And, and then he would call one of his coaches over and go, "Okay, before practice, I need you to throw me balls here, like every day." We're doing this after practice every day doing that. And so that he worked around it because he knew that like if he was going to try and think and take chances while they're trying to, you know, install something or they're having a scrimmage and he already had like a rough part of the year, what he didn't want to do was take chances heading into his third year where he could lose his job, you know, like he was going to do what he did well. And then incorporate that in as it became muscle memory, Mm -hmm. and and so there's that strategy too that's that you kind of have to consider sometimes.
0: And like like isn't that just like a life lesson? Like right there, like I bet Tony Gonzalez would not have been who he was if he didn't have that adversity, and then he had this work ethic and this mindset that you know what, I got to work on these just these little bitty things so much. I mean, we know with all of the greats, and that's one thing I always try to convey with you know I'm a counselor to my students or whomever is like like Jordan getting cut, Brady splitting time with Drew Henson and, you know, like right there, like then it's in their mind where, or, or Rod Smith always having, you know, that mindset that he's the undrafted free agent, he's gonna get cut, that they have to work on these little things all the time, even no matter where you are and how great you are, because when you when you don't do that, you start losing. You know, and that's one thing that I love when I, when I scout college guys is I wanna see them improve in parts of their game over their career I'm like man this guy could really be like andy dalton andy dalton continually got better when he's at tcu and i was like he could actually maybe be an, you know, a starter i know he just had a bad game but like you know so, and, and he's had a good career for you know his skill set and where he came from
1: yeah and certainly you know it, it's always about your audience with all of this that we're doing you know obviously i I have a big fantasy component of the audience here but most of my audience understands that i like to, you know that scouting is the the main thing for this particular um podcast and for a lot of stuff the work that's being done here and so from a scouting perspective Andy Dalton has had an excellent career you know to be a starter in the NFL is an excellent career to be a top tier backup that you're wanted on that level that's that's great you know to make an NFL team is great and we and that's and it's one of those things that yeah that that failure component is important um you know because at the same time even like quarterbacking for sure. Like when it comes to quarterback evaluation, you know, I've had this discussion with Russ Landy when we did Scott Talk series for a while last year on this show. But one of the things we talk about is that you really can't judge a quarterback after, you know, one season. It's really got to be a season and a half to two seasons, maybe even three seasons, depending on what the dynamic of what's going on with him is. But it's like certainly not eight to 14, not eight to 16 games because. Mm-hmm. The way the NFL works, they scout, the, you know, they tend to scout four to six weeks behind what's actually happening, which is why you see, like, early on, players do really well and they're doing this thing over and over again and teams just seem to be caught with their pants down, like, week after week. And you're like, how do they not see this? Like, we've seen this, like, four times already. And here mm-hmm. comes the big play. You could almost guess it if you're watching them every week. And then, like, somewhere around week five, week six, suddenly the gate closes and, like... That's not there anymore. How come they're not being able to do that anymore? Because defenses took it away. And now they're making them do something else. And it's like, you know, we saw it with Baker Mayfield. You know, Baker Mayfield came in after, with you know, after Terod Taylor and basically had a, you know, had productive weeks. You know, he had productive box score weeks. Now, was he doing stuff that, like, was he doing things that he – wasn't able to do what Oklahoma? No. Was he still showing the same propensity for certain types of lateness with throws, unwillingness to step up in the pocket, trying to flush too early or just flush outside, um, you know, being a few beats late in the red zone. Yeah, all those things were still there, but they were winning or they were scoring points mm-hmm. and he wasn't and he was getting away with some of that. Then the second year, yes, there was a new offense. That was a big issue and certainly that could have made things worse for him too, but on the field, in terms of what he was doing and that he could control, what you saw was, you know, the same issues and defenses is saying, you know what, we're going to take away some of the easier stuff. We're going to make mm-hmm. you do some of the things that we know you couldn't do. And as my buddy Eric Stoner said, you know, because I remember watching the Georgia game and writing up a whole thing about, you know, his accuracy stats aren't what you would ex, you know, his accuracy stats are great, but. The context behind them aren't that great. And watch the Georgia game. You'll see what happens when a when a team with NFL caliber athletes play tight man coverage against his receivers and can get a pass rush on him mm. without blitzing. You're going to see what Baker Mayfield looks like right now. And it's not as warm and fuzzy as people were making it. So it's like, you know, my buddy Eric would say right now, he told me like last week, he goes every game for Baker Mayfield's the Georgia game right now until he can get over the Georgia game yep. and show them that he can he can win against those types of looks and he hasn't mm-hmm. been able to do that mm-hmm. um and so as a result you you that's why you kind of have to say all right did he have a bad first year how does he improve did he have a good first half and then a bad second half or do you have a good you know a, a bad first half good second half now teams are going to adjust how does he adjust to the adjustments? Because mm-hmm. that's that's the adversity. And with quarterbacking for sure, it's always about that. It's always mm-hmm. about them, well, we found that out, so how are you going to mm-hmm. adjust this? Because you are the strategic lead in the offense. You always have to be adjusting. And if you can't mm-hmm. even get past the first level of adjustments in the first year and a half, yeah. you're, you're a career backup at best.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and we're kind of seeing that too with – I mean, there's quarterbacks, but then there's also offenses. I mean, you look at like Carson Wentz on fire and then what defense is adjusted. You know, I know he, I mean, they're, they're so injured right now. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking the next couple of years. It wasn't the same Lamar Jackson. It's happening to him right now. They have adjusted. I mean, his first half of 2019 wasn't what his second half was, but now they got that tape. Now they're trying to do things and making him, you know, win down the field outside the numbers and seeing what he can do. Um, you know, it's probably going to happen to Kyler, I would say, maybe the second half of this year, something yeah. to watch for. Even Patrick Mahomes, now he's phenomenal, don't get me wrong, but record-setting year, and then the second half of last year wasn't actually as amazing, you know. Now, again, you could say maybe his knee or something like with some of that, but, you know, it's fun to watch the, the chess match, yeah. you know, the first half of a football game, what happens out of the second half, and who can adjust and who can't. And that, that's the fun part, because either you're going to have more tools to use, Or you're going to just stumble and be like, this is just who we are. And you're going to let other smarter, you know, more adjustable people, you know, beat you.
1: Yeah. And I think that, you know, when it comes down to scouting players, I mean, I think what people don't realize is, you know, again, just how, how high a level it is just to be on an NFL roster. Like how good, you know, how good you have to be to be. Uh, just to be on a roster because from high school, I mean, and I've often talked about it from like a manufacturing perspective in terms of percentage of errors. And we talk about it, you know, from the standpoint of that, if you have, you know, if you're a high school player, you're probably in the top 90, 85 to 90% of all football players, you know? And so if you get a college scholarship or you make it to a walk onto a college team and end up being a contributor, you're probably in the top 85 to 90 five percent of NFL of, of all football players that ever play football and that's pretty awesome like you're a pretty great player like I think about it this way I had a I had a bunch of friends and they tell me this story because they they a bunch of my friends had a friend who is a guitar player he's like this um, acoustic guitar player who plays around Athens Georgia and he's like probably my age now but when I knew him you know he was probably about 10 years older than me so he's about 30 at the time he's about 35 years old long curly brown hair like um horn rim spectacles wear sandals all the time they called him sandals and um (laughs) Mark and his name's Mark I won't go get his last name but Mark played at my high school um you know ahead of before I ever got there but he was a running back in my high school at my high school and got a scholarship to Georgia Tech and was Georgia Tech's return specialist and one of their backup running backs. And then he ended up, you know, pursuing music after he left Georgia and he like basically makes a living making lullabies that the local hospital like gives DVDs to to, to parents of newborns. Like he of all these guitar things and he gigs and all this stuff. So you'd look at him, you'd think he'd never played football. So you know, my friends, apparently they, they were telling a story one day as we were watching football. They said, Oh, did you ever, have you ever played football with Mark? I'm like, no. And he goes, man, we played football with him once. And that was, and we decided we were not good enough to ever do that again. And I was like, well, what happened? He said, well, and all these guys I'm talking to were like big dudes. I mean, they were all like, Six, three, six, four, two thirty to two fifty, and some were in pretty good shape, and they you know, and Mark was more my size, I'm about five eleven in the two hundred pounds range, and like Mark, he said, yeah, we kicked the ball off to Mark, and we were playing tackle football, we kicked the ball off in the backyard, and he was wearing sandals still. And he ran through all of us. Like, literally, we bounced off him. He made people miss, and we were on the ground and we couldn't get up. Like, literally, three of us were like hurt, like, legitimately hurt after he ran through us. And we were like, that's the last time we we're playing football with sandals. Like, it was just like, <laughs> <laughs> and we, and half, you know, and it was because, again, you know, it's like he played major college football. He, you know, it's a different animal. And it's like, you know, when you think about it from that perspective, he was probably in the top 85 to 95% of football players. But then you get to the NFL and you get, you're a draft prospect, you're probably in the top 95%. You know, you're in the top 95%, and you think, well, that's great. You know, but most of the people who make the NFL, the people who make the NFL are in the 99th percentile, not the 95th. You know, you get drafted, you're probably in the 95th. You get in a camp. You're in the ninety fifth. You might get a tryout. 99th mm-hmm. is if you're going to make the roster, maybe the practice squad, and then ninety nine point five is probably like you actually are, are on the active roster and you might be able to contribute. But you're uh, the starters. Starters are probably like ninety nine point nine, and the guys who are all pros are like ninety nine point nine nine percent of people. And when mm-hmm. I say that, is like people who make you know major errors you know like Ezekiel Elliott yeah he's led he he's had his worst fumbling year of his career he's had four fumbles this year two in one game i doubt you're going to see two in one game from Ezekiel Elliott for the next 3 years if he plays another 3 years and if you see more he's probably not going to be playing anymore like right. that'll be the downfall of his career but this was like a fluke thing so you know i'm sitting here watching John Owen having to answer to people about whether he should be wearing sleeves or not, like late at night after that game last night, and I'm just laughing. I'm going, dude, you ain't gonna see that again. Like mm-hmm. that's like catastrophic. Guess. Yeah, that was catastrophic for Ezekiel Elliott. No one has mm-hmm. to tell. And the fact that even Mike McCarthy, as much as people might criticize him, when they asked him at halftime, "What are you gonna? What will you say to Ezekiel?" Elliott? He goes, I don't need to say anything to him. He knows. He knows he's important to us and he knows the Mm -hmm. the gravity of the situation and if you Mm -hmm. couldn't see that on ezekiel elliott's expressions and his his you know and the way that he 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 looked when he came off the field and he was hitting himself in the helmet you know that this guy was like distraught
0: Mm -hmm. i um i have a funny story i don't think i've told you this one before uh you're talking about you know how good you have to be and one thing that bugs me is you know people saying well i could do that you know like playing you know football or whatever it is or even coaching like coaching's really hard, yeah. you know if you haven't done it, like it's really hard, but so uh in two thousand and five is my first year as a student assistant at western Kentucky you know i'm twenty one I'm um, just doing all the grunt work, you know, but I was there, we'd report before the players, so the thing was like July you know it's a it's a nice campus, you know, and I was like, man, it'd be really cool for me to go shoot in the arena, you know like that'd be cool, you know, d one arena, so i I go. I talked to the strength coaches to, to go over there they're like oh, the the basketball team's actually in there and they're just they're playing up and down it's like oh okay you know my bad and they're like actually one of the players sprained their ankle they need someone to run with them could you do it and I was like I played in high school you know I you know I you know I wasn't great you know I was yeah. like a eighth man seventh man whatever I played you know intramurals in college and you know up until I'm like you know I'm in good shape you know I could be okay I know what I'm doing you know they made me look like I've never played basketball in my life. Matt. <laughs> like, like I would get the ball and I would and I would turn and like and then I'd be like, where'd the ball go? I mean, yeah. like, you know, you would drive or shoot and they're so long and they anticipate so much, but that just goes to show I think that just the level that they are, and then it's all of the details that we're talking about. It's not just the size and athletic ability, it's everything else, understanding the game. I and it was such a good perspective for me. To watch because, I mean, I played. You know, I think we played like maybe three games. And that team was it. Three years later, they went to the Sweet 16, um, oh. and then that's they, they had that last second shot against Drake. I don't know if people remember that one from half court, like the shot of the tournament. And then um, the year before that, I think they lost. Um, they almost made the Sweet 16 by the last second shot. Gonzaga upset them, or else they would have been two and So like, there's a lot of good players. And Courtney Lee was on that team. He's in the NBA right now. Um, but they would drive, and they would take angles, and I'd be like, I would uh, like not even it's not even in my repertoire even to do. And I'm like, man, but they understand the game at such a different level, yeah. and that's what we see with all these moving parts with running backs or with anything of like, you know, anticipating and their footwork and just you know learning angles and momentum and reading players and 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 you know defenders. It was it was unbelievable experience.
1: Yeah. And, and the thing is, it's funny they make it look so easy that if you're watching it from afar, that's why you can watch it from afar and go, okay, he should have done that. Or he should have done this. After you study it for a little bit, you Mm know, and a little bit could be a few years, you know, it could be years from now. I mean, I remember the first time getting into studying tape and like looking at like Noshan Marino and looking at some plays and thinking and seeing people like criticize stuff at major outlets and, and thinking, is that really like, does that really make sense? Like, is that logical that they're, that they're saying that he could have been there and like, and fall, you know, I'd find myself sometimes like going to people and going, am I wrong here to say that he missed this? Am I wrong here to say that he didn't see this thing or that he should have cut here? Because th- there'd be times that I would, I'd look at something one time and say, yeah, maybe you should have seen that. And then I'd I'd look at the scope of the play and realize, oh, well, he's not even looking there. He's not even supposed to look in this direction. Or he's in the middle of making a move. Like, unless he's like unless he can teleport, there's no way he could like, (laughs) there's no way he could do that. Like, unless he's like the night crawler, you know, in a whiff of smoke, he like disappears and reappears. There's no way that he could humanly possible do that. And you'll see that. Like, I remember somebody commenting um, Sunday, it was a, there was a play, I don't remember who it was, but it was a quarterback. And I was commenting about the quarterback throwing the ball down the field in a certain direction. And, um, looking in a certain direction to where he threw. And the guy, the I think it was the Eagles game, and one of the fans was like, well, he had the guy open on the left. And so I go back just to look, just to see, because I'm thinking, I, I bet it's one of those. So it was, it was one of those, where like I go back and watch the watch the tape. And then I went back and watched All-22, just to, just for the fun of it, to see. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those plays where basically, sure enough, um, yeah, if you... If he like stopped in mid, if he stopped in mid throw, pulled the ball down, pivoted and turned back and risked like getting cement rolled, you know, he might've been able to like get the ball off and it would have trickled five yards down the field in the direction of that guy who was 30 yards wide open. You know, I mean, it was just like, you know, it's one of those things that it's easy and it's understandable as fans, like we've all been there and had those fan moments until you start to really hone in and study and you start to realize it's like, yeah, that guy didn't have a choice. Or like the other thing with running backs. I mean, this is another good subject that I'd love to ask you about. I find that when I'm evaluating players, if I see one mistake, like just one clear mistake, I don't harp on it. What I tend to do is like, I may write it down and go, keep an eye on his tendency with zone plays on cutbacks here just to see if he does it again and again and again. Mm -hmm. But I -hmm. I usually don't write it down as like, he can't do this because he didn't do it right once. Mm -hmm. I want to see, because sometimes it's just a moment where maybe the flash of bodies were too fast and he like, he misread it and it's understandable and it's like, that happens, everybody does it. You know, the great players do it. But what I'm looking for is, does he do it over and over again?
0: Yeah, so I, I look at that both ways. So I mean, like like you said, nobody's perfect, you know. But but I look at, I look at repeatable traits. So is it or is it a repeatable error? Are they doing this normally? I say three to five times is what I look for. And yeah. then also on the positive, you know, like look at him do this this spin move by this guy, or like like David Tyree, pre- perfect example, made one of the best catches ever in a clutch situation ever. He did it once. He does that three times. He's a starting wide receiver. He does that, you know, seven times, you know, he's getting a big contract. He did it once. So it's like, is that really who he is? So you really it's this mystery where, like, you know, does he have like as you were saying, if it's a an outside zone and he can't read this cutback, you know, is that something that's just a blinder in his vision? That's that's a red flag. If he does it once, everyone messes up, or maybe he was looking at something different or what was the situation? It was third and 1. He was just getting 1 yard or whatever it was. But yeah, I look 3 to 5 times both ways if it's a repeatable like trader skill. Yeah,
1: me too. And that's it. And, and I just think that's important because it's one of those things where and then sometimes it's funny cuz you'll see errors with a player like he commits an error, but like you kind of mentioned, they do something within that error that's notable, that's a positive. And mm-hmm. to, to be able to I I it, and it's just one of those things. You go, well, I wonder if this is translatable to another part of his game. You know, it it should be if he can do that. You know, so it's it. I don't know. I I find that to be a fun part about scouting, and certainly, you know, you know when it comes to all of this. I mean, man, we've been. It's funny. I mean, like we've we've been doing this for a while now, and it's funny that you said you were twenty one because you first wrote me in your early twenties, when you were at Western Kentucky, Bobby Rainey was, you know, mm-hmm. part of that class that you were, mm-hmm. you, you were a part of that team. And, and mm-hmm. I was just starting to study him. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was asking, it was because Chad Ryder, um, who was at CBS at the time, mm-hmm. um, wrote me and was like, I think there's this player that I think you'd like. And I want to know what you think of him because I'm kind of, he reminds me of Brian Mitchell, the the former Washington um, and Philadelphia special teams expert who was a, a good backup running back in the league for many, many years who also was a great special team returner Great special guy. teamer. Yeah. And he said he reminds me of Brian Mitchell. And I remember watching Brian Buddy Bobby Rainey and being like, oh, yeah, I really like Bobby Rainey. This was great. That's so good. But we, this was like – this was so many years ago. And it's funny now because, like, now you're the age I was when – we first got in touch, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's like, it, I don't know, man, it's just crazy. And it's just like the, and it's fun to see that you've got like your own Debbie report and the, and the work that you do with that. Tell people about like your Debbie report and what's in it for people who who aren't familiar with it.
0: Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Uh, I, I, the one thing I wanted to start with though, is, is doing this for, you know, in 10 years for me and however long for you, the cool part I think with scouting is, um, is I'm always trying to change and like, how can I think of this differently than I did then? Like when I first started, I was, I was arrogant. You know, I'm like, Oh, I know it all. And then you like start peeling back like, man, so what's the concept of this play? You know, what's, what's the re what's the, wh- what was the coaching point? Maybe the coach told him to do something, you know, like you just think of way more, but um, yeah. So in terms of like my, my reports, so I, this is the sixth year I've done the dev report. Uh, which for me is really cool because I get to see guys I guys scouted out of high school you know like like if we take over Ronald Jones for example talk about a guy that that's evolved you know I scouted Ronald Jones in high school and him going to USC and then my report is it's all players well notable players at skill positions on offense that aren't going to the NFL so I scouted Ronald Jones out of high school and then every year looked at his freshman tape sophomore tape and then I have the graduates which is another report that's only it's it's like it's like your guide but way <laughs> way less pages Matt I don't I can't do it on your level but so it's it's of guys in the NFL draft and so you watch Ronald Jones he's you know 180 pounds 185 soaking wet out of high school and he's quick as a hiccup. I mean it was unbelievable his quickness and it was still apparent but he kept packing on maybe eight pounds per year and now he's thick and he's changed his game almost kind of like a like a clinton portis did where now he's a little bit more of a power guy with a little cutting ability he's not going to beat everybody with just speed anymore and uh that's what's that's what's a fun part of of re-scouting guys over time and uh something that i really enjoy like we talked about like are they improving you know maybe they're getting worse that happens too or maybe they got figured out um, and then, uh, yes, and then the graduates is the other one that I do. That's just, you know, well, where, kind can, of product. where can they find it? Uh, you can contact me on Twitter. Uh, I have it saved. Um, and, uh, you know, honestly, my, my website, I think it's the juice of football, I think. I need to, like, Google that, actually. I think that's what it is. It used to be on another one, but I switched it. Let me look real quick. Okay.
1: Well, I mean, while you're doing that, you know, funny about Ronald Jones, I remember watching him at USC okay. and thinking, he's kind of a Jamal Charles-style type of back, like that quick just like hit the hit. So, and then it was just like by year two in, in the NFL, I'm like, I mean, he can cut. He can still make some of those really sharp cuts, but watching him is just like hit that thing downhill and just run through people. And his his rate of of broken tackles or broken tackles per carry, I think that's what I was looking at as a metric, he was one of the best in the league last year at breaking yeah. tackles. It was yeah. like, and it wasn't even close, you mm-hmm. know. In in some regards,
0: I mean, he he was my and and I got I got grief from this. I mean, I mean early on, for so, but he was my number two running back in that class. I had him over guys. I had him over, and I missed on Chubb. That's when I missed on, but over Michelle, over all of them, and everyone's like he's terrible, blah blah. And I stuck by him. And right now you're seeing what I. The one thing I love that I saw when we were talking about one of those small traits was. I saw his subtle cutting ability, those small cuts where I think it's super important because when you have a whole defender to get through as a running back, you're not going to succeed very often. Right. But if you can move and only take on half the defender or maybe just his arm, you're going to succeed a lot more breaking those tackles. And he would make just these small little movements to to break tackles in college. I'm like, man, he's so good at that effortlessly doing that and knowing how to be a defender um sorry back to the it is the juice of football.wordpress.com that's the site or you can on twitter it's it's tagged in my uh or what do you call it you're saved as my my top tweet oh or whatever. Pinned? Yeah, pinned. pinned yeah, yeah pinned yeah
1: okay yeah and and your your twitter address for everybody
0: yeah at underscore nick whalen okay it's on twitter good mm-hmm. all right
1: so yeah i mean definitely would recommend checking that out especially if you're into debbie it's a, you know, it's a fantastic resource. You're going to get someone who certainly understands the game and isn't afraid to be able to, you know, they're not going to be looking at what other people think. And, I, you know, I hear a lot of people say that all the time. To me, it's just kind of like normal. Like, it, it just seems normal that you're going to go through your own process because how are you else are you going to learn? But it mm-hmm. is fascinating that there are people out there that's like, well, you know, everyone else is... Saying about this guy, and it's just like you're never gonna learn if you if you go that that's. Nope. But we've talked. I've talked about that enough on this type of a show or yeah. format in the past. But, but yeah, I don't know, man. It's um, you know, this has been a lot of fun um for us to be able to do, and I'm definitely gonna have to bring you back on again, uh, much sooner than it's been. It's been a long time since um since we've had a chance to to yeah. do, do a show together i don't think we've ever really done a show together other than like we did one with dynasty nerds um you know yeah. last spring and that was fun and those guys are great and mm-hmm. and that's a great site and I, and honestly i mean like i'm appreciative of that site for the just for the sake that they create prospect videos where they do cut-ups because um, whenever i can watch cut-ups that are good cut-ups it saves time
0: you and, know. Well, and they cut down the, the the wasted time too i use them too i'm like oh that's nice that's way better than me looking at my tv and recordings and all that kind of stuff
1: yeah yeah i mean it's like as long as they show everything and i'm just saying to anybody out there if you're interested in doing cut-ups or you're making cutups and you are listening to this please do please do um include plays where they don't have the ball or whether they're they're cutting or they're running or they're um blocking or they're they're doing things that are actually important to their position even if they're not being targeted or or getting a touch with the mm-hmm. ball it's 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 quite valuable to folks like us when,
0: when i mean it's all information in this process you know it's yeah. it, i mean and that's why i don't like highlight tapes i want to know the bad plays too you know because yeah. those are important because even if they mess up just once as we talked about like zeke elliott it happens it's okay but include it in the cutoff
1: i i watch highlight tapes once i'll tell you when i watch them i watch them after i've done all my grades after i've written them up after i've pretty much set my rankings and or just before i finish setting my rankings and i'll go through highlight tapes only to see if i've missed something egregiously great about that player that i haven't already seen that's mm-hmm. it like y- you know and usually the highlight tapes are underwhelming after i've after I've watched what I've watched, you know, yep. they're, they're really just like, oh yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that. Okay. I've seen that mm-hmm. very once in a while, every once in a while, they'll it'll show something. I'm like, oh, wow. Like I, you know what, maybe I need to go back and watch a little more because he did that three times and I haven't seen that once. Maybe I, mm-hmm. I, I haven't, seen, that's usually a shortcut way for me to go. You haven't watched enough. Normally yep. if there's something, and usually the thing that makes me like like lose my mind over a player is usually something that's never in a highlight. It's usually, which is hilarious. It's like, because it's usually something subtle where it's like, how on earth did he make that cut? How on earth did he, you know, did he Mm -hmm. maintain his balance? And it's usually something like a three yard run or a two yard loss (laughs) or something that like, that's the
0: stuff we love, man. Yeah.
1: Because those are the plays where you're like, Oh, well that's going to translate where you know he he can do that and might turn into a 50 yard gain but it's like it just ha- didn't happen to be one so they're not going to put it on a highlight but those plays you know hmm. makes
0: well, a difference. what what makes it dangerous too Matt is is we are ha- so biased that's the thing that's so tough within anything is is bias and especially in scouting because you may be like you know I really want to like this player so when I watch this I'm going to want to have positive but when you watch highlights is you might put too much weight To the highlights and not on their overall game, and that's why watching them isn't beneficial. Like, if you want to look at them and see what is the ceiling, okay, but you don't know what the floor is. You don't know what the the everyday game is like for them, and that's why that's why it's really dangerous for people to just be like, "Oh, this is who they are." Like, did you watch the other games when they didn't do those things really well?
1: Yeah, I think having that—that's why, like, from a bias perspective, why having for me at least i found having things written down and having criteria is so helpful because it really forces you to there's times that i'm looking forward to watching players but because i'm going through a process like right now like we were talking about changing our processes you know mm-hmm. i've been change, i've changed my process you know i i do this every few years i'm always these things i'm adding and like i'll see something and and i look at a player and i'm like this isn't defined well. What he did isn't defined well here. Or I'm starting to realize the importance of certain types of release patterns or how they read certain situations or defenses.
0: Is this still on your chalkboard behind you? Some,
1: yeah, some of it was, but most of yeah. it's erased. Um, oh, okay. But um, but yeah, I mean, I had just incorporated that, and like, I have like this long list. I mean, like my my wide receiver list now, like of stuff that I've I've added and change are things that I've either kind of already been doing or like, you know, I, the sideline hustle is a good example. Drew Lieberman, former Rutgers wide receiver coach, assistant coach. He has a great site on YouTube that I highly recommend. And he defines so many things in such a way that I've had him on as a guest multiple times. And I told him like last year, I said, I'm, I wrote all this stuff down on his, on the board by watching all his videos and defining things and going, yeah, that's the same thing that I look for, but it's defined better. Or mm-hmm. I don't. I haven't looked at it this way. I need to define it that way. Or this is something I haven't even incorporated that I should. Or eh, I like that, but I've got that covered, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I'll, I'll, I kind of synthesized all that and made my own, made a new checklist and regraded, scored everything. And then I regraded some of the players just based on how they would fit if I could from past years, just to kind of look. It's not exact because. You know, I'd have to rewatch them with that standard, but yeah. I'm, you know, I'm looking at these players again. And it's like, because for the past four or five years, I have only changed one or two things maybe to that criteria for wide receivers. I could go through that list without even looking at it and right. know what I'm yeah, looking you know for. It. And I knew it like back in my head. Cause I've done it hundreds of times already mm-hmm. or thousands probably now. I'm, This is new so like it's slower and like every time mm. i'm looking through the list, what am i looking for here did i catch mm. that so i'm looking at the game completely new again mm. and from the standpoint of like i'm looking for the same things i know what to look for in a sense still it's not like i'm a complete novice at it it's right. it's because the knowledge i had is still there but the way that i'm trying to apply that knowledge and look at it is different enough that it feels like I'm starting over and it's slower for me now. And it's, and it keeps me so focused on those steps that I'm not, I think what happens oftentimes when you're doing this and you have that kind of a process that if you were excited about watching that player, you get so into the nitty gritty about what they're doing that if, you, you forget about whether you enjoyed watching them or not, unless they're just absolutely fantastic. Like, mm-hmm. and they're and they're hitting all the marks so early that you've already like been able to like grade everything. And now you're just enjoying watching it because mm-hmm. they're, you're seeing the same things over and over again. But that's rare. Most and, of the time and, it's, yeah.
0: And, and you know what's funny about that? The, the most like, you know, to, 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 what you're doing versus what like, I guess most people kind of do is they, most people watch the ball. And that's even like coaching and stuff. Don't watch the ball you got to yeah. watch the other parts of it because there's so many other things going on than like ooh oz you know what yeah. i mean and and like you're talking about those little things like like we digressing all the way back to the beginning of this is um i i did the Kenyan drake video and Mac, i forgot to look at the footwork piece which we just talked about which is right. the thing that i learned right like it's not i need to write it down that way when i do it it's going to be natural to me so what's what's one thing like wide receiver wise that I can steal from you that you've, you're changed that you're looking at it differently now. Yeah.
1: Um, all the different release patterns that, that they had, like, I remember I was looking at such basic stuff like three step and five step releases combined with, you know, the were basically stutters and then mm-hmm. arm over and it's stuff like they teach in high school. Like this is yep. the basic thing, you know, not, you know, I'm looking at things now, like, um, gosh, um, you know, two quick releases, one quick releases, three quicks, hip shifts. Um, being able to use the different, defining all the different hand movements like with sheds and arm overs and swims, but also um, you know, in addition to rips and having like everything written out what they are and how they're 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 used differently. Um, what do they call? It? I can't even remember the name of it right now, but like it's like a stick, but it's actually. Let me look it up real quick if I can find it here. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I, I'm sure you've seen Doug Baldwin's stuff, right, on releases? Yes. Oh, it's so awesome to see. I'm just, I, I love hearing the players talk about it in their own verbiage. I love that stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, there's lots of different things like that that I look at. There's there's different types of STEM work, like, you know, how mm-hmm. you... You know, I've always talked about widening or narrowing, but knowing... um. You know, what are some of the things that I can look at? Let's see, where's the wide receiver checklist? And that's the thing. Like, see, I'm st- this is the first year, I'm still mm-hmm. at the point, there's things I forget. So, like, the thing that I was talking about that was a footwork is a trigger step. Okay. So, it's like a stick, but it's directed downhill. And you'll see someone make a real quick, violent step and then stop, mm-hmm. and then, like, and then make, and then maybe build a, a, a one quick or a hesitation off of that and then move. Um, that's a trigger step. A guy who hmm. I just saw Theo Howard out of Oklahoma uses oh, a trigger step pretty. He well. was
0: at UCLA before, wasn't he? He was. Yeah.
1: Yep. I just watched him this Heavy afternoon. Ford. Yep. There you go. I just, I just, I just watched him yet um, today, and he used a trigger step. You know, hmm. and that's something like those different types of things. Other things I'm looking. Would that be? To,
0: to, would that be to get the DB to react, and then when they reset, then they can adjust? Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah. So it's basically like you're. You're getting them to overreact in a, in a direction, and then you can adjust to that. Maybe you can use that to set up of maybe taking their blind spot a little bit easier. Yeah. Or that you can set up a second move, you know, mm-hmm. to release against them because you've gotten them out of their spot. Maybe they were leveraged to one side, and now that you trigger step forward, they overreacted in a in a way. Mm-hmm. So there's there's some of that. Um, things like taking the back of the defender. You know, always making sure that you're trying to take the back of the defender, um, you know, or working into their feet, uh, yep. working into their toes, all stepping those stepping on their feet, yeah. stepping on their feet, all those different types of things, the, the little nuances where I used a very general, okay. broad definition for all these things. And I decided, you know what, I need to really break this down into the most minutia that I can. So I mm-hmm. wind up having like, I don't know how many I have here, but it's literally the the sheet starts and there's lots of little headings and things but the sheet starts with criteria at cell number 31 and it ends at 230 so like (laughs) you know it's like and there's like you know there's there's headings and totals in there so Mm -hmm. i'd say there's probably about a 100 different points in here Mm -hmm. and i have it graded on a hundred point scale so some things are getting like Point one points. Some things yeah. are getting point two five points. And, and you know, you might look at it and go, well, how are you going to really tell the difference between someone who's really good and who's not with mm-hmm. so much minutiae there? But you start to, I'm like, I'm looking at grades now and these guys are grading lower now than they ever, than I had in the past. But mm-hmm. there's a separation with, with this. And I'm also being able to fit, I'm also being able to see things a little better because now the way I'm doing this with an Excel sheet is... I can have each game be a column across that on the sheet. So if say I watched Theo Howard twelve times and you know, six of those times he performs something correctly, and then, you know, two of those times he doesn't perform it correctly, but then the remaining four times he just didn't get a chance to perform it. Well, I'm gonna give him credit for that overall. So I'm gonna have like right. a final grade for him. Mm-hmm. Off of that sheet and say, this is like, this is his final grade looking at it Mm. from this standpoint. And, but you can still, I'm still going to be able to show my readers the breakdown of each game. Mm. And so that you can see how I arrived at that process. Mm. Um, But that helps me see it in the total as well. So I'm doing a lot of that. That's, that's changing. Then
0: you see consistency. I yes. mean too. So so I mean so I'm going to I'm going to record this and put this on on my my uh my YouTube as well then. So do sure. do you, you want to let people know I guess what your work is cuz I mean if they don't they should if they don't can you let them know what RSP is?
1: Sure. You know, you can find the rookie scouting portfolio at mattwaldmanrsp.com that's my site or just go directly to buy it. You can buy it at mattwaldman.com. And the RSP is a is a draft guide specifically geared towards um skilled position players quarterback running back wide receiver tight end i've been doing it for 16 years and it's based on a process that i use um, that i borrowed from um, best practices for um, evaluating um, performance and i used to be a director in an operations and quality sector where i had to learn these kind of best practices and i applied it to um, watching football and added kind of a fantasy slant to it as well. So where I do like real live football evaluation. I do real football evaluation with these players and look at it from the standpoint of like foot from actual football. But then I try and make sure that I save some analysis to say, for those of you who are interested in fantasy, you know, here's here's kind of I, I understand I can translate back and forth with those things because I've been mm-hmm. a fantasy writer for over 20 years. And so, you know, I work at Football Guys and that's what, you know, that's what I've been doing. You know, I've been writing about fantasy for many years and I I try and translate it now that. So what I want to do is give people the goods where that I have, you know, scouts who, who do buy the book or people who are, you know, personnel folks in major college who've bought the book, who've learned stuff from the videos that I do on YouTube and like get value out of that. Um, but at the same time, it's something that the fantasy community can look at and go, what's the answers to the tests. But now I want to find out the why behind that. Mm-hmm. Matt's going to give me all the why I could ever ask for and more than I would ever probably need. And then tell, but,
0: tell them how many pages it is. That's the why. Tell them how many.
1: Yeah. The, it, the, it, the spelt version last year was 1100 pages. <laughs> so, so that's, that's like the, that's the smallest it's been in about five, six years. Uh, and mm-hmm. it'll continue to get a little smaller because i'm 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 being able to spend more time i used to literally show people all my work i literally mm-hmm. used to write, I remember that i used to the way i learned how to do this because of the process I had was write down everything that you've defined and write down everything that you see so I would spend hours and hours i'd, like, I'd spend eight hours watching a quarterback mm-hmm. in one game just one game mm-hmm. and literally write down the, every coverage i'd see even if i couldn't define that it was a cover three cloud or a cover three sky whatever it'd be mm-hmm. i maybe not write it down that way but what i would do is i would write down what i'd see the safety was over here the cornerbacks were playing outside shade the the linebackers the outside linebacker and the triangle of the safety and the and the cornerback were doing this so i would do all that to learn and then go into the minutia of like his feet would point this direction his hips did this, these. And I did that for literally 14, 15 years, like literally about 13, 14 years. And that crazy minutiae got to the point that I really started to learn the game because I started to go, okay, I'm not, I, this doesn't answer my question that I posed as my criteria. So now I've got to change the criteria because mm-hmm. my, my Scott, my system was set up to evolve. That's what made it a best practice system is it evolves by basically once you can't answer the question with a clear yes or no, that means you haven't asked the right question. Mm -hmm. So you either have to ask a different question, you have to break the question apart, you have to add more questions in, you know, and I did that over the span of, you know, 16 years now. And Mm -hmm. so now I've gotten to the point where after about 12, 13 years, I was like, I don't need to write everything down anymore because I'm not getting to watch enough games for of the players that I'd like to. And it's taking me way more time than I need to, to do this. So it's a great exercise and occasionally I'll still do it because Mm -hmm. it's a great exercise. It's like playing iSpy with like a microscope, you know? Right. right, So like you, that's what I try and do. Um, but yeah, that's the RSP and you get a pre-draft, you get a post-draft, um, that's more fantasy oriented. It gives a cheat sheet. You know, and I look at average draft position versus like my rankings and say I like Patrick Mahomes better than most people, or Nick Chubb better than most people. So, yeah, I'm not telling you to great draft them first overall because you don't have to. You can get them at the end of the first round mm-hmm. or in the middle mm-hmm. of the second round and still get highway robbery out of them. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I I would do stuff like I do stuff like that, and then I have a a newsletter that comes out once a month from. May through December that also keeps people up to date. And I give them a three year look at my, my rankings from the past three years of rookie classes. um, So that they kind of get a feel for how I see them and where they're at. So Mm -hmm. that's the RSP.
0: Yeah. I just want to pull like a couple things out of there and I don't know how much longer we're going to go on this because we could go like forever, but just for for people that um, want to do this or you just want to scout one player or one game is you know I do this and I know Matt does this when you watch a player or you watch a play you're gonna watch that play five to however many times you need to you can watch it full speed you're gonna watch it slow down you're gonna watch and then you're not gonna watch that player you're gonna watch the line both lines the coverages you're gonna watch all the parts of it to understand what's going on and then you could like Matt has talked about before you're going to go a little bit and be like okay where was his eyes where was he looking why did he see what he saw where were his feet like that's how you study and break this down and the more that you do it the faster that you can go but it takes a lot of time so if you want to do it really well it's going to take time but it's not like there's like a secret sauce to this it you have to put down all those categories and you have to look at it from a wide you know wide net and all these areas, and then it starts, and what's fun is then you start putting plays on top of each other of players doing things consistently, like, oh, this is who Nick Chubb is, or hey, this is who, you know, Ronald Jones is, et cetera. And then it becomes fun, but you, ha- you have to take the time and it takes a lot of time to do it. It does,
1: and that's exactly it, is that it's a, it's painstaking, you know? Mm-hmm. And And that was, you know, I mean, I, I think I told the story when we had the conversation earlier that we didn't record, but was, you know, my wife, when we first got together, you know, she's not a football fan at all. I and mean, she grew up in North Carolina. Basketball was king. Um, so, you know, she would, you know, she would, she has a, a very good business mind. And, um, you know, when I talked to her about what I was doing and we talked about, you know, the plans of taking the RSP forward you know, she would say, are you sure you want to like, you, you share everything you you say, you share everything you do in the book. Like, are you sure you really want to do that? And I was like, yeah, it's not a problem. I said, it's not a problem. (laughs) It's okay. She's like, yeah, but what if someone like takes it and like runs with it and they steal your stuff and they're successful? I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, good for them. I'll shake their hand. And she's like, never really understood what I meant. So like, finally, like, when we finally had time maybe it was 10 years into our marriage because we got lots of other fun things going on that mm. we don't talk about football all that much other than i'll share some things about my day and it takes a while to even go through the backstory of it to like even make it somewhat entertaining <laughs> so it's not it's not as enjoyable as if like we're talking so so you know i am i show i finally show her like the book and she's looking at it and she was like oh i totally get now what you're saying like if anyone's going to recreate this, then they've got the same sickness you do. And it's like, they're going to work their tail off. And if anything, they're, they're a compatriot, you know, in what you do. And, and it's not that it's, it's way harder because the, the product is you. It's not the, it's not the, it's not the process. And I'm like, exactly right. Because the process is the process I learned, but the process is about taking your intuition and putting the skeleton around it and being able to, that skeleton protects you from your intuition going the wrong way, but it gives you enough, it gives you enough space for that intuition to, to operate in a productive manner. Um, you know, because people think of intuition, Adam Harstead, who's a writer of football guys was talking about this earlier this week. And he was saying how Bob Henry, who's one of the great fantasy projection guys ever, like, you know, I'll just say this, you know, and, you know, I'm not saying this on behalf of football guys. I don't want to get football guys in trouble, and it's not anything to do with them. But, you know, Fantasy Pros is a site that grades accuracy, and Football Guys doesn't participate in that. Um, but, you know, Bob Henry is... Forget forget Fantasy Pros and their rankings from the standpoint of, like, he's been the best before they ever got started, and he's still the best now. Well, he's and an OG. He, yeah. he is, he is. And it's just... What he does is fantastic. His process is fantastic, and if there were a site that didn't have commercial interests that unintentionally or intentionally got in the way of being an objective party in terms of doing um, projections, which is almost impossible in this in the environment, so I'm not just saying fa- Fancy Pros is out for themselves. I mean, that's not right, right. that's not my point. If football guys were doing it, they'd they'd right. there'd still be a bias there, but Bob's work is just. Bob's work is that great in terms of different formats of where they do projection contests. And he's like, and even when Fantasy Pros was great and he was one of the top, one, like top two, top three year after year until Mm -hmm. they started to make it a pay model. Um, And so, you know, listen, um, you know, and Adam was talking about that and saying there's intuition involved in that. And he said, I bet Matt, I haven't talked to Matt about it, but I bet the RSP is very much a product of intuition as much as it is a heavy process. And the process is there to help balance the intuition or enhance the intuition. And I was like, yeah, you're spot on. That's exactly mm-hmm. what it is. You know, it gives it room to breathe. And so when you're doing all this work, you know, you're doing all this work so you can understand all the, all the things you need to understand so that intuition can come through you know because there's things there were times there were players that I would watch early on and I didn't understand the difference between gap and zone when I first started 15 16 years ago mm-hmm. I didn't understand the you know all the different footwork patterns that we talked about today you know mm-hmm. or you know all all the different things that 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 I talk about week after week now but I would look at players and I'd go that guy's good like that that Mike Bell guy he's good you know that Matt Forte guy he's good that oh, that man, good that story. Darren McFadden guy I don't know I don't think he's that good like I don't mm-hmm. there's some things about him I don't like and I would I would explain some of it but I wouldn't get all of it um and it was like those things would happen and so like Mike Bell you know I mean I told that story was the first year it's like I had him rated like I think fifth or sixth on my board somewhere in there, and I and he didn't get drafted, and I was like, well, what do I know? You know, I just started doing this, and then he he was the starter for the Broncos that year. He's a UDFA, uh, and it made me realize, okay, maybe I'm seeing stuff, but I just have to, I still have to figure out how to communicate that because otherwise, I'm just leaning too hard on stuff, and then I'm going to be limited in my knowledge because the knowledge helps you your intuition. Um, activate as well because you have to know these things you have to understand you know all these different components to understand why a player made the choice he did why adrian peterson would try to cut back against the grain on a play where there were more men to the side he's cutting back to than the Mm -hmm. side that you would think he should bounce ahead to and then Mm -hmm. you start to but if you really understood all the 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 technique and jargon you can look at a player and go Oh, he's breaking the rule, but this is why he wanted to break that rule, and it make total sense. Yep. And so then you're looking at it, and you're, and if you've created the right type of process, you can look at that and go, you can look at it and go, that's a positive. I can't grade him. He would, even my process wouldn't grade him negatively here because mm-hmm. I've left it open ended enough to say, does he make the smart decision based on what he's reading, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to, does he. Does he, you know, because some people will look at it and be too prescriptive and say, well, he cut back into too many men because you would say, well, does he read, you know, is he cutting away from, they might define it as, is he cutting away from more men in the box than to to less men in the box? Mm -hmm. And if you do that, then you're like, you've confined yourself in a way, in the same way that some analytics people used to confine themselves by saying, if he's not 6'2", 210 pounds... Um, then he can't be a starting wide receiver in the NFL, you know? And there were guys that did this in the NFL. And like Dan Hapman would talk about it and say, you know, that's too prescriptive. Like you're, you're, it's good that you want to filter things, but you can't filter it to that nth of a degree or that specifically, or else you're missing out on Odell Beckham Jr. You're missing out on Tyree Smith. Kill, Steve Smith, you know? all these
0: tell him he's too small
1: brown yeah exactly you know tell all those guys they're too small and see Mm -hmm. what happens you know so Mm -hmm. it's a you know it's that kind of it's that kind of thing that that we kind of get into with that
0: nitty-gritty yeah it's uh i don't know it's so much fun to like look over time you know and just like you were saying like see like the blind spots you know yeah and then, and then see like the areas to improve. It's, it's, that's what makes it fun. That I mean, cause I mean, it makes us continue to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like people find it useful and it's like, man, like this is really fun. And then we, and then we talk about it. Like if we were to talk about this, like you said to your wife or someone else, I think we're crazy, but it, 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 it gets me yeah. juiced up. Like I said, the last time we were on this call, so, so me and Matt recorded for two and a half hours, I recorded it. I did it wrong. And then we're like, Oh no, So that's why we're doing it two weeks later. But I couldn't, I couldn't go to sleep. It was midnight. I'm central time. It was midnight. I couldn't go to bed for another hour and a half. I was so juiced up just like learning and talking to Matt about this stuff.
1: And it's fun because I mean, we, we both, you know, we have similar and different perspectives with all how this goes. i mean, the close, like my wife and I find that our careers are very similar, though very different, you know, like the, the format is very different but like certain things that we go through and negotiate and talk work through and how the different tools we have to use are very similar, but the bridge that you have to get there to to do that takes a lot of layers. Whereas mm-hmm. like when you get two people who are doing this, you know, like the fact that we're just doing this, I mean, we may go about it in a different process, but the, but the, um, but the things that we encounter are the same. We're just going about it from a different direction. Um, yeah. You know, so yeah. I mean, this is always a great deal of fun and, and it is, it's educational to, to just kind of look back. Cause it's like you want to follow your own course cause it's the only way you can really go. Um, mm-hmm. but it's nice to check in with other people who are doing this, mm-hmm. you know, yep. so, so that you can learn. I mean like, again, like that whole, like, I know I'm going to have to add in somewhere in the next couple of years, you know, is he cutting from a balanced position? Like, you know, that, like that, that's me, and it's so obvious. Like I look at it and I'm just like, how did I not think of like doing that? Like I've been doing this all these years and like, you know, and it's that same thing. It's like I, I could, you know, and say with all immodesty, like I'm pretty good at running backs. Like that's my, mm-hmm. that's like one of my things and I'm pretty good at that. And I'm like going, how did I, how did I not even look at that? Like, that's shameful. You know, I mean, like, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to laugh. It's not really shameful, but I'm no, like, there's a, no, part of, not you. But there's a part of me that feels that way. That's like, how could, how on earth mm-hmm. could I like not look at that? But mm-hmm. it's like, you know, but it is, it's like the discovery thing is one of the best things about this. Oh, and, God. and, you know, you want to get it right for your readers and you want your readers yeah. to, you know, but I think, I don't know about you, but I feel like the readers that we have that come back for what they're looking for. What they're looking for is someone to describe to them the player accurately, not necessarily mm-hmm. rank the player accurately. Right. Um, you know, they want accurate rankings. They may come for that, but in the in the end, what they're looking for is, you know, an accurate description of where that who that player is, where he could be good, and where he might be able to get better or where things could really go downhill for him if he's not in the right spot. And if you give them that roadmap, I think that's enough. Um, and their understanding of like, you know, they're going to be understanding of failures and, and things that may you know, that you have. I mean, like, I laugh because like, you know, I think about like Hakeem Butler, like Hakeem Butler is a good example. I get a little, number one. You're yeah, number you're, one. Yeah, both are number ones. And it's just like, you know, People will look at that, or I had Dante Pettis. I liked him, you know. I know you now, didn't. Then.
0: Yeah. Why well, I like Sutton, remember? Yeah. You Sutton. Like you like buttons. Sutton? Yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And so it's like, you know, I had guys like that. Now, you know, I could sit there. You know, people. I'll get people on Twitter occasionally. I'll, I'll, somebody will mention something, or I'll mention something positive or something going on, and somebody will go Hakeem Butler, or they'll say Hakeem Bustler. I guess somebody was using Hakeem Bustler as like yeah. a, a a meme or a, a thing, and it's like, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, maybe I missed on it. We'll see. I, he hasn't played yet. So, we, you know, until he gets on the field, I don't know because I'm sure lots of people would say that they missed on Raheem Mostert, but he didn't get on the field until six years, you know, pretty much four or five, six years into his career. So how much did they miss? You know, how much did they really miss? We don't know. He might not have been a good fit for the system there. Now, odds are likely that we probably did miss because, you know, at this at this stage of the game but it's but it's not one that you can go well what did i miss what did i because until you see it you don't know everyone's got a different process with how that works but -hmm. it's like you know i look at those and i laugh because it's like yeah i mean you you most people understand like they most they understand they look and they go well you didn't miss on didn't miss on you know calvin ridley You didn't miss on Amari Cooper. You know, Mm -hmm. you didn't miss on CeeDee Lamb. You're going to miss on some guys, you know. Mm -hmm. And some of these guys, and there's some guys that they missed on that you were like, like you, like you were like, nah, I didn't like Dante Pettis, not a big fan of that. You know, I've had guys that I look at and I go, yeah, not for me. You know, like, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not, you know, I've got a decent grade on Mitchell Trubisky and Baker Mayfield, but I'm not not recommending you drafting these guys in fantasy Mm -hmm. leagues. You know, like I'm putting Trubisky them.
0: Trubisky in- was my one. So yeah, there you
1: go. yeah, but that's but that's how those things go. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like you, you know, and I think what people—that's why I think what people—they understand that. What they want to read is the why. What's the why behind that? And mm-hmm. and the people who don't—I mean, that's okay. They're the they're the folks in your Yahoo leagues who just want to win in their church league and don't really care about understanding football. They're mm-hmm. just trying to make money off of a hobby you know and or 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 win and Mm -hmm. it's nice to win and and certainly people win using my work i've had people who've written me and said i've won um high stakes tournaments and literally have written me telling me they've and i've posted that on my site you know Mm -hmm. people who've Mm -hmm. won you know who've done but that doesn't mean that um you know for the for the most part it's there are folks who want to know the why too
0: you know so i mean it's I mean, doing this is so humbling like it's like i mean i because I, I did i posted uh, my rankings my top seven running backs this is i literally did after ronald jones's game because he had three 100 yard games and i got so much grief from everyone just like oh ronald jones or you know bus joe or whatever they would you know everything yeah. and then and i'm like he's kind of arrived and i'm like i'm like i deserve a victory lap here and then they're like oh look at where you had this guy and i'm like nobody's 100 percent in this right. like that's the one thing that you will learn but no. what you what what i want to do and, and i always put player comps too which is always risky but like what i'm doing is i'm painting a picture for you painting a whole picture of what their game is through my eyes my lens my process maybe a guy that the cop is like kind of what they look like to help you so then when you watch that gives you at least at least a baseline for what you're gonna what you're expecting to see from this player
1: right and that's exactly it i mean it's like and there's so many things that we just don't always know about due to you know off field due to injury issues you know i'll have people say well are you going to incorporate injury stuff into your into your grades and i'm like no because um, there's nobody in the public um, realm of scouting who literally gets injury reports on every single player and the injury report yeah you know they hide stuff and and they don't, and they're not going to get access to that. Even if they have a friend who, you know, works at the Chicago Bears or works for Carolina and mm-hmm. leaks that stuff to them, you're not gonna, you're you're not gonna get all of that. So it's mm-hmm. like it's not worth it. I'm not going to bank on a process that way.
0: Well, it, it, it's even like you know, health. I mean, that's high school. Going we back to health, do we know what happened in high school and coaching? You know, like there's so many off the field stuff we don't know about. Like how how they pick up on learning. Like we don't, we keep, you can only see on the field and the, and what changes a little bit of my stuff from what you do, Matt, is um, my endeavor report is their body types and athleticism change so much. Todd Gurley was so much smaller in high school than he was his freshman year at Georgia. Yeah. And, and like, that's hard to project, but you just, if you just describe their game, I'm always like up and down. Like, oh, this guy got a lot better. This guy got a lot worse. Like that, that's what happens.
1: Yeah. Makes total sense. And it's like, and I mean, I remember you know one this this way i mean i remember talking with um greg cosell one time like years ago and i got a chance to get his number and call him up and 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 interview him and then we ended up having one of these types of conversations it was like Mm -hmm. a long conversation it was a lot of fun um but i asked him you know it was ray rice's rookie year and i was like what do you think of ray rice and he's like yeah i loved him coming out of school but i just don't I just don't see him becoming a a, a good starter in this league. And I'm like, well, why not? And he's like, he just doesn't have the burst. I just don't see the explosion that I thought he might have. It just wasn't there. And then over the summer, he gained 20 pounds of muscle and added, added that explosive element to his game that he didn't have and became a Pro Bowl running back, you know. And it's like that kind of stuff. Like it's 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 those things you just don't know and and when you look at a guy like ray rice i don't blame greg cosell for not seeing that because um i got the hiccups all of a sudden but uh he uh <laughs> I what that was. <laughs> he uh he, you know he probably looked at his body type and was like i don't know if he can add that much more weight without like losing something in fact right. he gained it how so, much wider can he get <laughs> right <laughs> right but. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, listen. This was a great conversation. I know we could do a lot more, but for the sake of time, I mean, I, I think we'll call it here again. You know, yeah. you you know, you can find Nick Whalen on Twitter um, at Nick underscore Whalen um, uh, at underscore at Instagram. underscore. Excuse me, at underscore Nick Whalen. At also mm-hmm. um, his Debbie report. And you can find and you can find that pinned on his Twitter feed as well as um, God, why can't I fig- remember the name Dynasty Nerds. They're yep. great. I I love them, and I and I laugh because I just i had a mind blank with it. But that's what happens when you got a 50 year old host who's who's um who's tired. So you can find me at Matt Waldman RSP, um, you know at my website and at Matt Waldman on Twitter. And uh, thanks again, guys. And you guys have a good week.